Your experiences are what define us. Everything in your life can teach you. We call these our defining moments. Now, join Debbie Montgomery Johnson and her featured guest as they help you stop hiding things in your life and instead learn to embrace them and stand proud. It's Defining Moments, and it begins now. Here is your host, Debbie Montgomery Johnson. Hi, everybody. This is Debbie, and welcome to the show this week. We're so excited. I'm so excited to have two wonderful guests with me. Uh, this week, we're going to be doing something a little bit different because in the past, we've always done just done defining moments, and it's been something that, you know, it's a secret, a hidden story, something that nobody really knows, but today, our defining moment is going to be something about our family members that is out there in the open, and I have some amazing guests today. My first guest will be Candy Spitz, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about Candy. She's living down here in, in Palm Beach County with me, and Candy works for the 211 Helpline here in Palm Beach County. I have to tell you a little bit about the 211 Helpline, and I hope Candy can talk to us about it too, because I've lived in Palm Beach County for 30 years, and I had to say until about six or eight months ago, I'd never heard of the 211 Helpline. And when I found out about it, I was totally amazed at what a marvelous, marvelous resource it is to our community. And I, I met with Candy because I was asked to be on a on a committee with her uh, for the 211 Helpline Luncheon, which we just did. And it was the first time I'd really been able to hear about the programs and to go visit their office and to just see what was going on. And I felt bad that I've been here all these years and I've worked with a lot of people that could have used her services, and I'm so excited today that we can kind of spotlight what 211 does. But in addition to that, Candy says she's most importantly the mother of 10 year old twins, identical twins, Brendan and Jaden. And darling boys, I see them on Facebook. They just got back from Disney, they just had a terrific Halloween. But the boys have autism, and we're going to start. We're going to talk about that today. It's a topic that I don't know a lot about. I've had friends in the past whose children have had autism, but you don't usually hear about it. And when I heard about Candy's kids, and then was introduced to our second guest, Sean Sullivan, I'm like, we have to have a show about this important topic because it affects a, a lot of children and a lot of adults that have lived through it. So, Candy, I want to welcome you to the show. Um, welcome to Defining Moments. Thanks, Debbie. And I got to say, Candy called me this morning, texted me this morning. She goes, Deb, I'm not feeling so hot, but you sound great. <laughs> and I know that for the next hour, your voice is going to be perfect. And, uh, Lots of hot tea. <laughs> there you go. A lot of hot tea, a lot of water. Just keep it, you know, keep it hydrated. And I always say, you know, in our show, drink water, stay refreshed. And, uh, and we're going to be just fine. So thank you so much for being here today and taking time out of your busy, your busy schedule. Of course. And thank you for having me here. Not only to talk about autism, but thank you so much for that wonderful plug for 211 Helpline. Because well, unfortunately, you're not the only person who has not heard of us. And we've been in Palm Beach and the Treasure Coast for 46 years. And 211 is also a national initiative. So unfortunately, I would say nine times out of ten when I'm out in the community, the first reaction I get is, wow, what an incredible resource to the community. Are you new? 
Um, mm-hmm. And obviously we're not. So, you know, we're, we're trying our hardest. And thank you so much for all that you did to be a part of the Lifeline Luncheon that we just had because we're starting new initiatives to kind of get the awareness out there of all of the services that we provide to each little special niche in our community of ways that we can help because everything we do is free, it's confidential, and it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Well, it's amazing. Could you just tell the audience a little bit about the luncheon we had and why you guys did it? Oh, absolutely. So, again, we were trying to go again with the awareness piece of Q11. So we decided to get away from just the galas and the fun social events and kind of focus every year on a hot topic. And this year, unfortunately, I wish this was not a hot topic, but the opioid epidemic, which is ravaging Palm Beach County as well as across the nation, um, was such a topic that was near and dear to our hearts here with some of our committee members and our chairman, who were just fantastic. And as I mentioned, I think to you in the very beginning, this topic was so new to me. I knew nothing about addiction um, and recovery and all of this. And, you know, I'm, I'm so glad we ventured into this topic because I'm used to you know, dealing with special needs children. And in the special needs community, everybody, you wear your heart on your sleeve, and we're all there to help each other and do whatever we can to lend support. And then to step into an industry where things are so shady and backstabbing and you think you're trusting these treatment centers that set to protect our children and get them clean, and they're out there, you know, prostituting, you know, prostituting their own patients and feeding them the drugs and doing whatever they can to bilk their insurance companies. And it's such a corrupt practice that, you know, it's insane that our family members are living this way and being treated this way or, you know, jailed for an epidemic that that's not going to help. The legal system cannot help them. You know, this is something that's affecting every member of our community and we all need to stick together to put an end to this opioid epidemic. So I I'm, I'm thank you again for all that you did and that your company did to support us. And, you know, we had our largest event in 46 years at the Kravis Center on October 19th. And we just booked the 2018 date, so we're very excited. Um, next year, we're tackling mental health and suicide. So another very, you know, heavy topic, but a topic that needs to be addressed in the community. Well, it was a wonderful event, and there were well, I, at least 28 public officials there. Yeah. Were there more? Than, so, so it's something that it's, it's not just a political issue. I mean, it, it goes across uh, every family, every neighborhood, you name it, it, it affects it in some way, not the opioids, but also just drug addiction in, in general. Um, I know that there's going to be a generation of young men and young women who have felony accounts on their records because of drugs. And exactly. the whole the whole system, I mean, my, we're going through it a little bit in my family, and it's it's just distressing. It's something that, you know, in the criminal system, the parents, the, the family members feel like the criminal. And, and I tried to deal with that, uh, you know, one-on-one with, with the sheriff's department and with the prosecutors and the public defenders. And it's very difficult because, you know... You, our children are looked at as a number and not as exactly. a person. And it's, you know, it's very distressing to me. And I'm, if I had another lifetime, I would come back and tackle that, tackle that. <laughs> well, bit, even, but. And even worse, is like I shared with you personally, I know after one of our committee meetings, you know, this is not, you know, I'm 42 years old and in my generation, I've seen people that were, you know, they're addicted to alcohol and cocaine and, you know, marijuana and there's those kind of things. And, your your vision of what an addict is is completely different when you're talking about the opioid epidemic. And this is something that came to a complete shock to me because 
you know, I was picturing one thing, one version of what an addict is. But in truth, and I lived it myself these last few months as I'm dealing with my own health crisis, is every time you walk into a doctor, and I think I shared with you, five doctors in four days wrote me prescriptions for opioids, Mm -hmm. for pain. And pain that I didn't necessarily have at the moment, a pain that they told me I was going to have because of the ailment. And I felt almost pressured by the doctors when I would say, no, thank you, I really don't need this. Um, I felt the most pressured by the doctors of, well, why won't you take the medication? And for me, it was, I need the clarity. You know, I have twin boys who both have autism. I am a single mom. You know, they don't sleep well. You know, they're very energetic. And I need to be perfect at all times. But not everyone has that same strength and motivation to have to be clear-headed at every minute of the day. So anyone else would say, hey, I don't want to be in pain when I'm sitting in my office all day long. Sure, I'll take this pill. And that's how this whole epidemic gets started. The doctors are prescribing the drugs. Eventually, before it was a 30-day supply, then it's down to, I think, now it's down to five that they can prescribe. It's around day 10 that you're addicted. Um, and then what? And when you can't get the prescription anymore, then they're turning, turning to street versions of the same drugs, the heroines and those kind of things, and these fentanyls and car fentanyls that are out there. And it is so scary that something as simple as you know, not feeling well and going into the doctor and your doctors are prescribing this and that's how these people are becoming addicts and then ending up with the felony charges and, you know, losing their children and everything else that transpires from the addiction. And and as I'm as you're talking, I'm thinking in my mind the the person that we would you know, visualize as being the addict. And honest to goodness, I have friends, I'm in my late 50s, I have friends who've had knee replacements, hip replacements, some sort of mm-hmm. operation. They've been put on the medicine and then they're taken off, but they, at that point, they were addicted to it. And exactly. you've got these 55-year-old women that are now at, addicted to heroin. And it's, yeah. it's an amazing, it's an awful thing. And I'm so pleased that you guys um, really put this out in the forefront and the turnout was phenomenal. Um, I was able to bring some therapists from the center that we use down in Delray, and my parents were there. Um, they'd never heard of this epidemic before, really. I mean, you've got 88-year-olds who, who aren't really thinking about that. They might hear it in the news, but it doesn't. they don't think it affects them. And the way you guys did the, the centerpieces where you had pictures of young men and young women, older men and older women that have passed away from that, it really made it clear to the audience and clear to our table that this affects all of us personally. And you, you guys did That's a marvelous job. <laughs> marvelous job. And I was totally impressed by the Palm Beach Post and, and the articles that they've done. And, you know. So much awareness, and and that's what's needed. And thank you guys for doing that. Now, besides the opioid epidemic, two one one does a phenomenal job at other things. Can you just very briefly tell sure. us what what they do? Because well, I want people to know so about we're it. Ma- I'm sorry. So we are mainly the crisis intervention line, and that's how we started off. But when people think of crises, they're thinking, you know, financial, they're thinking low-income, you know, struggling abuse situations, which is not the case. And I would say, like, I am the prime example of the caller of 211. You know, a single mom works hard for a living, struggling to make ends meet with, you know, and having, having to pay child, you know, there's no child support, there's no issues coming in, there's nothing that you have available, you can't qualify for government assistance, you know, and how do you just survive? The, you know, the prime face of 211 is middle-aged white American woman who just needs help. Um, so we have programs for everything. We have a special needs helpline, which is one of the main reasons I took the position that I took here at 211. We are the only 
helpline for those age 0 to 22 with any kind of a disability, whether it be services, therapies, doctors, etc. We have the only elder crisis outreach program. So anyone age 16 over, it doesn't matter what the ailment could be. You know, your husband passed away and I've never had to pay my bills before and I don't know what to do to my electricity was just turned off. Um, whatever that kind of ailment is, that's the elder crisis outreach program. We also have um, our Feel Good program, which is our Sunshine Wellness Checks. And they're daily phone calls to elders in our community from 7 a.m. until 5.30. Just a friendly call every day to say, hey, are you okay? You know, did you have a great night? Did you take your medication today? And sometimes it's the only voice that they are hearing that day. Family members are busy working out of state, whatever it happens to be. And then, of course, we do all the irregular crisis, whether it be financial situations, substance abuse, drug abuse, you know, domestic abuse. We house the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Um, we also house a uh, rape crisis line. Anything crisis-related in Palm Beach and the Treasure Coast, you call 211. Well, it's an amazing thing. Now, I have a question. If someone is embarrassed or doesn't want to do want to call or feels like they've They've tried every agency and they can't get any help. Can a friend or a family member call in for them instead? You could technically, but everyone, you call into 211 or if you're texting or you can chat online, everything is confidential and it's anonymous. So if you don't want to call in, we have a great text campaign that's out there. You can always text 898-211 and text your zip code and somebody will get right back in touch with you and you can have that conversation via text without ever exchanging, you know, your name, et cetera. You can go online onto the website on 211palmbeach.org. You can click on the chat now box and talk to someone just as you would have a phone conversation. Again, completely anonymous and confidential and the same with calling in. You never have that worry because they're not there to, you know, take down your name, phone number, et cetera, and and sell your data. You know, they're there to be that go-between. Sometimes the person just needs a friendly voice to kind of get them through whatever that hurdle is. At the moment, it might seem it's very overwhelming. But once you talk it out, it's not so bad. That's really important. Um, I'm thinking right now I have a, a friend actually who has given up and just feels like no one can help her. She won't even make the call anymore. So if I were to make the call for her, could somebody reach out to back they to her? They would not be able to call her back, unfortunately. Okay. They could okay. you know, reach out for resources, but the best thing she could do is that even if she's not ready to talk on the phone, and, you know, even if it's just a text or a chat online, I mean, our, our call center staff is amazing, and they will stay on the phone. It doesn't matter if it's 45 minutes. They will talk you through whatever the problem is. We have people that call in every single day you know, just to have that voice to talk to their problem, and that's okay. what they're there for. They're not going to rush you off the phone. You know, they're there to help you through this crisis. Okay. Well, that's really good to hear because I, I'm sitting here as a person that wants to help someone else and I'm at a loss. You know, when I suggest certain things, it's like, nope, don't want to do that or can't do that or no one cares about me. And I'm thinking, what can I do as a friend right. to, to get her involved? So I'm just maybe going to have to go there and say, let's go, to, let's call together, you know, or yeah. give her your card. I've got, actually, I've got a brochure and I could give that okay. to her. So, but thank you for that. I know, and you guys are such a small organization. You know, think about 211, and it, it seems like it's huge, but in reality, you have a staff of, what, under 30? Uh, we have 29, I think, is the current number in the call center. And mind you, they're 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. 
And then there's about 20 of us who run the programs and the management side and those kind of things. But What's an amazing, the, the amazing resource. Incredible. Yeah, just an amazing resource. And if people would like to volunteer for the 211, or is there something they can do as a volunteer? We do have volunteers. Um, I do volunteers for my events, but mainly on a daily basis if someone wanted to get involved is our Sunshine Wellness Program. And that was the program where you're calling the daily 7 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. They have shifts of like two hours. Um, And you can always give out my contact information, Debbie, personally, if someone reaches out to you. Um, And I'll connect them with the Sunshine Program, but they're always looking for volunteers. Okay. Well, that's tremendous. And we're really looking forward to, I'm looking forward to people getting involved with you and knowing about the resource. If you've got anybody in your organization, I mean, in your neighborhood or in your group of friends that needs help or is in a crisis, please have them call two one, the 211 helpline. Uh, Candy and her group are just phenomenal. Now we're going to take a short break in a, in a moment, Candy, and then we're going to get in the personal side, but I did want to get the 211 information out there. I've just, like I said, sure. I was totally impressed. Um, by what you guys do and and by the the recent luncheon we did. What is the next event that you'll have coming up? Our next event, or major event, is our spring gala in March, the March 9th at the Four Seasons in Palm Beach. Well, that sounds pretty fancy. It is. I hope you're coming. (laughs) (laughs) I have to put that on my calendar. (laughs) It's going to be fun. (laughs) That's great. We're going to take a break, so uh, we'll be back in just a few moments. Those of you that are with us, take a drink, get a glass of water and refresh. Candy, get a glass of water, and we'll be back (laughs) with Sean. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. If you've always wanted to take the lead in your life, but you don't believe you are a leader, then it's time to change that mindset. Leadership expert Linda Patton will help you discover the powerful leader that lives within and teach you the leadership skills that will transform your business and your life. Stepping into your leadership brings reality to your vision, and leadership can be learned. Find out more on Leadership Stars every Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Today, we are part of an ever-changing mix of technological advances and business trends that redefine how we work, ongoing performance, and our world around us. Tune into Humanity Evolve with host Catherine Calarco. It's an open discussion about these trends and advances that come together to create a positive future for you, your family, and your world. Humanity Evolve can be heard live every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. This is the Voice America Women's Channel, where your success is limitless.
are listening to Defining Moments with Debbie Montgomery Johnson. To reach the show today, please call in to 1-866-613-1612. That's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to Debbie at thewomanbehindthesmile.com. That's D-E-B-B-Y at thewomanbehindthesmile.com. Now, back to Defining Moments. Welcome back, everybody. I'm so excited to be here with my guest, Candy Spitz. Candy's been telling us about the 211 Helpline, which we are very familiar with here in Palm Beach County, but it's a national organization. So if you have anybody that's in crisis, 211 Helpline is available to you wherever you are. So, Candy, welcome back. We're going to talk you. a little bit about your personal defining moments. And uh, because I introduced the show as, you know, I was talking about autism, I'd like you to tell us a little bit about what happened with your family and about the boys in particular and what age were they and what have you learned since then? Sure. Well, my journey began, they're 10 and a half years old. And it's, for me, it's hard to talk back in the beginning. So coming from a very difficult childhood myself, you know, I waited until I was well-established and older and settled and made sure that when I was ready to have kids, I was going to have these perfect children who were going to have the perfect life. And I know all moms kind of go into this process thinking that and the perfect pregnancy, I did nothing but work out and eat, you know, the entire time, spinach, bottled waters. Um, You know, I was grooming this to be, them to be perfect. And, um, lo and behold, I, I did. I had these perfect twins, May 29th of 2007, full term, very large babies, eight pounds each, and I'm a teeny tiny little woman. Um, you know, they came out strong and happy and healthy. And, you know, in my prior life, I was a radio broadcaster and with ESPN and a few other organizations. My ex-husband is a very famous rock star. So the kids went right into TV, acting, movies, commercials, everything by the age of four months. And here I was looking back at the time as, you know, this is it. Like, I, I did it. I have the perfect kids. They're going to be perfect. You know, they're going to have their future is set for them by the time, you know, they're entering school. They will never have to worry about money and all the struggles that I had growing up. Um, and I just thought, like, my life is perfect. Nothing could possibly go wrong. And we were 17 and a half months old. They were starring in a very very featured film, um, Sam Mendes, John Krasinski, Maya Rudolph on Saturday Night Live, Maggie Gyllenhaal. They're filming this movie in Connecticut. And the photographer kept telling me, Candy, like, they're not paying attention today. Something was just not with, not right. And I was like, I don't know. You know, they're boys. You come up with all these excuses. This one on every day of filming for like two weeks. You know, something's not right. And I'm like, I don't know. They're boys. They're almost two. They'd always hit every developmental milestone early. So in my head, they're acting like two-year-olds. Um, then they started pulling, like, the foods, the chunks out of their mouth. Um, I was trying to feed them. They were fighting me with meals. Something was just off. Um, over a two-week time period, they lost every skill that they had. They stopped walking, talking, eating, playing, making eye contact. And at the end of two weeks, at exactly 17 and a half months old, they were rocking in the corner. They were completely blank. And I didn't know what to do. They, you know, the week before were memorizing lines and they were just gone. Like I lost my kids. I went back to the pediatrician and mind you, this was eight and a half, nine years ago. Autism was not at the forefront of conversations and things like that. And 
I went back to the pediatrician because he was like, something's wrong, you know, and he would give me bogus lines of, oh, I don't know, maybe they're speech delayed. And I would say, you know, that's BS. Like two weeks ago, you had full-blown conversations with my children and they couldn't hold their heads up anymore. They would just rock and they would just lay there. And at the time, I didn't know what to do. I was Googling in the middle of the night. They would finally go to sleep at like midnight, two o'clock in the morning, and I would be on the computer searching, you know, no eye contact and every other symptom I could think of. And one word kept coming up over and over and over again. And I know you need to stay off the WebMDs and all of those, but the only word that kept coming up was autism. And I reached out in the middle of the night. I'll never forget that day. Two o'clock in the morning, I emailed Autism Speaks. They were still in their infancy stage. We lived in New York and just sent them an email and said, here's who we are. Um, I don't know what to do. I think my kids have autism. And thank God for that email because the late Suzanne Wright is the most incredible woman I've ever known in my life. By the next morning when we woke, there was already a person reaching out to me, you know, kind of guiding me through this process. And they would not give them the diagnosis of the doctors at the time because they weren't two. And New York law back then was two years old to be diagnosed with autism. But they did give me the green light to go ahead and start therapy. It's called early intervention in New York. And they were able to start with OT for occupational therapy, speech therapy, physical therapy, and ABA for behavioral therapy until there was a diagnosis. So we jumped right into eight to 10 hours a day of therapy every single day. And between then and when they were actually turned two years old and they were able to get the official diagnosis of autism, you know, we had a good grasp on, on this thing that was encompassing our lives. But I was still having, I don't want to say it's not regrets, but I was having, I was struggling with this whole concept because I thought I was going to have this perfect world. While this was going on, you know, there's, there's typically a disconnect in families when you're dealing with a crisis such as this. My ex-husband and I, he kind of, I want to say abandoned us at the time, but he kind of kept himself off in his music studio, never acknowledged the fact that, you know, eight to 10 hours a day that we were in therapy. And we weren't in therapy. I was trying to struggle with, you know, kids who used to be able to do all these skills and now could not, you know, feed themselves and couldn't do these things and they couldn't communicate with me. And they were getting so frustrated and the meltdowns and all that entails, you know, so the marriage is getting ripped apart at the same time. And I was trying to come to grips with, like, this is my life. Now, for the rest of my life, like, I'm going to be in these four walls um, with therapists, and this is it. And I, now I'm kind of glad that I went through that moment because I'm able to coach parents through, and I spent most of my life before 211 working with families on just that because it was just the opposite. You know, that this little diagnosis, this little thing called autism will never define my children and it will not define us and it's not going to limit them. And only for sake of time, I'm kind of speeding this up for you, but you know, we were able to move down to Florida. They go to a fantastic school. We've been there for eight years called the Palm Beach school for autism. We were you know, thrown right into a million therapies. They play special needs soccer and special needs tennis and we do gymnastics and music classes and they go to an incredible camp at the JCC, uh, Camp Shalom for special needs children. And they are, you know, and you see them on Facebook all the time. They are the most fun-loving, energetic, happiest children in the world. And they are so smart. 
they are, you know, Brendan does these things, and it's like I, I, I just watch him in amazement and say, if I could just get into his brain for one minute in time just to see when he's writing in the air, you know, what it is that he really sees. Because um, he'll scribble, you'll see him sit back for a minute. And they're, they started speaking about age six and a half, very limited language. I can ask them happy, sad, you know, yes, no. Um, they can repeat any Disney song and repeat a lot of things, but it's, there's very limited interaction other than repeating. But he will, I mean, he can text me elaborate sentences and statements and um, he'll write into the air and then you'll see him erase it and recalculate his thoughts. And he's always so deep in thought, um, you know, homework assignments. And before I can even explain it to him, he's done. Um, you know, I always say like, you know, they may be 35 years old one day and I will still be spoon feeding them because we have a lot of self-help issues and those kind of things. But when Jaden says he's going to be Dr. Jaden, I have no doubt in my mind, Jaden will be a doctor. Brendan will be the next president of the United States. You know, autism will never define who they are. And I'm glad that they see the world differently than everyone else because I look at quote unquote typical children, um, as a mom of only special needs kids, you know, and I watch these typical children and I am so thankful that they see the world the way they do because my kids see everything as happy and good and pure and they don't see the evil that really exists out in our world and the hateful things that people do. And I'm thankful now for this disorder and this, you know, this word that has been attached to my children in some form or fashion. I'm really glad to hear you say that now because I have I have read some of the articles that were written about your family uh, years ago and it was it was just heart wrenching and I could as a mom I could I could feel what you were going through not exactly because my kids did not have the autism but I was looking at some statistics and it says one in sixty eight children in the United States have it's called the autism spectrum now yeah um, mm-hmm. it's not because no two are exactly alike which has got to be a hard thing for the doctors to be working with. Um, well, I have, I mean, mine are identical slash mirror image twins. They are the closest to being a conjoined twin. They're one twin that's split too late. I was pregnant with one kid until I was nine and a half weeks pregnant. Um, they are literally half of the other child, and their autism is completely different ends of the spectrum. <laughs> Amazing. There is, you know, one social, one's antisocial. You know, every, they're, they're calming techniques. One needs, when you're trying to self-soothe, or trying to soothe them, the deep pressure, one needs to spin. Um, and they flip-flop it. Every six to nine months, they switch personalities, and they switch their autism as well. So for our doctors and, you know, those in the communities trying to understand autism, you know, it, it's a hard thing to do. But patience is, you know, my key word in all of this is, if you take the time to understand as a person who's not connected to autism, if you take the time to understand what the spectrum entails and, you know, whether it be stepping back from the moment and giving them time to process the situation, try to communicate, figure out what their communication is, whether it's verbal, written, you know, texting, typing, whatever it happens to be, you can avoid a lot of the problems that we're having in our society with children who are diagnosed, if you would take the time to learn just a little bit about it. Well, I, I can imagine that, you know, bullying comes to mind, and that's not just with kids that are autistic, but children that are, quote-unquote, different in any way. And um, I, I, my heart goes out to you. And 
I, I have to move on a little bit now because we have a special guest. And as a mom of 10-year-olds, you probably think that, oh, my gosh, they're never going to grow up. <laughs> they're never going <laughs> to get through this. I'm never going to get through this. But our special guest, Sean Sullivan, Sean is 31 years old. Sean, uh, I love his bio that he sent to me. He goes, my name is Sean Sullivan. I am a person blessed with autism. I am a person blessed with many hardships, and I am a person blessed with an unbreakable an unyielding will. Because of my autism, I have been the victim of abuse, not been provided two meals a day, let alone three meals a day. And in my past, I was in a coma for 10 days because of a bad asthma attack. And yet through all these obstacles, I never even gave once gave in and surrendered and I never will. And I love that. And Sean, I know you're on, on the call. You here? Are you there? Yes, I am. Welcome, Sean Sullivan. We are so honored to have you here. And I want you, if I could have you guys in the same room, I would say, Sean, give Candy a hug. Candy, give Sean a hug. And we're going to all hug together because I am, I so honor what you're doing, Sean. Could you kind of, we just have a couple of minutes till we go to a break and then we'll have the whole next segment. But I want you to just tell us, Sean, where are you from and what's your mission right now? So, first of all, my my main objective is to show parents and educators of people with, not just with autism, but with any disability, that whether you have a disability or not, you're going to have your fair share of limitations. Um, there are a lot of people that don't have disabilities that are good at some stuff but are not good at other stuff and what my goal is besides what I've said already is to show and teach people that there are very essential steps to helping people who have different abilities, not disabilities, but different abilities. Uh, And those steps are firstly observation, observing your children how they act, why they act the way that they do, um, their behaviors, how they behave in different environments and in different settings, and what what starts that behavior. And the next step is analyzing analyzing the the triggers, analyzing the behaviors, and after that step, the next step is coming up with a plan. And the plan stage is the second to final stage, and the last stage is putting that plan into action. For example, one 
behavior could possibly be not wanting to shower or not wanting to be helped to shower. A couple possibilities for that could be one, they don't like the noise or sound of the water, the shower water. Often people with autism do not enjoy different sounds. The second possibility could be they are embarrassed or humiliated to have someone have someone help them shower. And so a possible solution to that would be to possibly have your kid's favorite song play, whatever that may be. I feel like music is a good answer to that example for and that problem. I I also feel like that it is what I'm saying make make making sense or no, that's great, John, and, and I, I loved how you said the abilities versus the disabilities. Look at things as an ability. We all have limited abilities. We all have yeah. things we can and can't do, and I love your solutions and your, you know thinking about the music. I hadn't thought about that, but I know how music calms me down and will you know kind of take away the, the noises that you might hear outside or whatever, and uh, we're gonna, Sean, we're going to take a breath. We're going to take a, a little bit of a break, and we're going to come back. You sent me some questions that we, I'd like to talk to you about um, as far as you growing up and how you've become such a marvelous adult. So we're going to be right back. Everybody, stay with us. Come back and uh, stay, again, stay with us and, and come back and listen to the rest of Sean's story. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Religion and faith are many different things to many different people. Once you have the basic foundations of religious faith, the rest is up to you. Listen for Everyday Spirituality with host and life coach Kimberly Tobin. We can look past the restraints of religion where it is thought that one belief is the gold standard and everything else is wrong. Spirituality can be found in everything. And we can peacefully exist with different paths to belief. Tune in every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific, on Voice America Women. Are you ready to move to your next level? Listen for Empowering Women, Transforming Lives with host Rebecca Hall Greider. Each show will focus on a central topic with discussion, guests, and your questions being featured. Our show is perfect for women who feel a call in their heart to step out in a bigger, more powerful way in their life and just need some encouragement, inspiration, and practical steps to support them on their journey. 
Empowering Women, Transforming Lives can be heard live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. And join us for a replay of the show on Wednesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Tune in to Patricia Raskin Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Patricia Raskin Positive Living Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. It's practical, positive solutions for a happy, empowered, and successful life voice america women your passion starts here you are listening to defining moments with debbie montgomery johnson to reach the show today please call in to 1-866-613-1612 that's 1-866-613-1612. Or send an email to Debbie at thewomanbehindthesmile.com. That's D-E-B-B-Y at thewomanbehindthesmile.com. Now, back to Defining Moments. Welcome back, everybody. I'm sharing a discussion with Sean Sullivan and Candy Spit. Um, Spitz. Sean has been telling us a little bit about what he's gone through as a young man. But we're going to go back a little bit in time because Sean did tell me that when he was young, he was sent away to private school and was treated very badly. And Sean, I want you to tell just a little bit about that. And how did you feel towards the people that were treating you poorly? Absolutely. So at first I felt, I'd say, immeasurable anger, hatred, and rage towards them. However, I, as time went on, I began to think about what what exactly is the root or the cause of how and why they treat they treated me the way they they did. I I began to to question and wonder. Um, was it because of a traumatic and horrible experience that they had when they were younger? Was it because they have their fair share of problems and? So, as even more time went on, I began to try and understand their their pain and their frustration. I I began to realize that there is. more than one angle to view a person and there's more than one angle to view a story that there's more than one side of a story 
And so, I guess in, in the beginning, I, I did hate them. But in the end, I began to um, not hate them, I guess. Well, you're very intuitive and very wise. And it's taken... Um, I know it's taken me a long time to sometimes not have those um, judgments against people because I don't know what they've been through. Because, and that's the same with me. I've been through things that other people haven't been through. And I know when someone says that, you know, what I've done looks stupid to them. Well, they didn't walk in my shoes. So did you have friends when you were growing up? And do you have good friends now? Growing up, I had a couple friends, like probably two or three I, our personalities were the same. We had the same interests. And so I think that that helped a lot. The fact that we had similar interests that we liked doing the same things that we, that we weren't opposites um, and so I actually enjoyed my friendship with them when I was younger. Okay and are you are I think you mentioned to me yesterday that you're living with a family now can you kind of tell us who's in the family and what you do you know as a family group? Yeah definitely so sometimes we go to San Diego um, sometimes we go to Los Angeles. Um, I feel like that Los Angeles, San Diego, um, San Francisco, that they're the um, cities that most people know about, um, whether you're from California or not. Um, so, Often we we also sometimes do barbecues. We play board games together. Uh, well, sometimes we also go to the uh, the casino. Um, uh, there, there's a wonderful, fabulous, delicious. Um, uh, a lobster buffet that they have. Um, <laughs> they have seafood. It, it, it's so good. I, 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 I'm a huge fan of the casino because of that buffet. Candy, uh, I'm going to bring you. Candy, I'm going to bring you into this a little bit. Could you ever see your boys eating lobster and seafood? Oh God, no! I was, that, <laughs> it's a dream of mine. <laughs> we eat one thing right now. That's amazing. And Sean, you actually get out of the house. You can you can get a, an independent. Um, what do you call it the other day? It's not, it's down here, it's called the connection, but you can call it's, it a, a bus so or something. It, right? It's kind of similar to uh, Uber. Um, uh, and think of, think of it as a um, extremely downgraded, downgraded, downgraded <laughs> version of a um, limousine. Um, a a sofa kind of uh, except it's much cheaper. It's um, and 
not nearly as fancy, um, and it's for specifically for people with disabilities. Okay, but as my youngest son would say, it's wheels. It gives yeah. you, it gets you out of the house and gives you a little independence. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, one quick question, and you asked me to ask this: Have you ever had a girlfriend, and do you ever want to get married? Yeah, um, I. I have had a girlfriend um, a couple different times in my lifetime. And so I, I'm the type of person that is very chivalrous, I guess. I, I open the words for, for, um, Women, I offer my coat to them if it's raining. I, uh, and so that went, that was a pretty good experience for me because it, when we were dating, it, it really built up my self-esteem and confidence and I really enjoyed our life. I, I still do today, but um, I really had fun with her, and I hope that she had fun with me as well. Well, you are a kind, gentle man, and I'm sure she had a a marvelous time with you. And um, now, you didn't say if you wanted to get married one day. Is that a possibility? uh, I was about to answer that. Oh, there you go. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So... I do want to get married. I I do want to um, uh, get tied down, I guess. Um, I, <laughs> That's a good way I to put it. I want to um, experience that. I want to have a good time with that and however I I don't know when that will happen and I I haven't found the right person yet however I I'm not going to give up on that dream there you go and I, I wish you the very best on that and, and I've got friends that have, have not gotten married and they're still looking uh, the right person will show up but yesterday when we talked Sean you said something that you promised yourself to work a hundred times harder than people without disabilities that you wanted to make a contribution to society I want you to take a minute and tell everybody what do you want to do with your speaking, you want to be the voice of autism. How are you going to do that, and why? So, what my goal is, I w- firstly i I want to use um, uh, my my autism to my advantage. I want to. As someone who has autism, I understand autism. I understand um, 
uh, either people with autism and other disabilities. So, uh, as I said, as I said yesterday when I was talking to you, I probably make over 500 phone calls every day, and I probably send just as many emails out every day trying to make connections, trying to make opportunities and network. Uh, I'm extremely and incredibly de determined to contribute to society. I'm extremely determined and motivated to prove that I can succeed and prove the people that said I can't succeed wrong. Uh, I really want to um, use my talents to teach and motivate people who don't actually, who are nonverbal and who can't speak for themselves. Well, I, I honor you, Sean, and I think um, the connection with Candy and my friend Wally Waiters, who I had on a couple of weeks ago, his son is also autistic. I think if we put you guys together, that maybe there might be something that can be done. And any of the listeners here, if you have an opportunity for Sean to speak to your group or to educate others, I know I've learned a lot from Sean and from Candy's experiences, and I just want to put it out there that, you know, there's some genuine people here. And Sean, thank you so much for, for telling us your story. The hour has gone by so quickly. I, I would love to, to take more time, but we're going to have to cut this short. But folks, if you'd like to keep the connection alive with Sean this week, go to um, his website is iknowautism.org. He does a great blog called Creative Language. Is that 00.blogspot.com? I'll put this on, on my Facebook page. But, Sean, thank you so much. Candy, thank you for the work that you do with 211 and for your, the, for being a patient, loving mom. I, I know that your heart is just hurt sometimes, but it's so full, and, and I hope that the connection with Sean maybe shows you a little bit of hope and light at the end of the tunnel that uh, with time and with people like Sean, you know, folks that are willing to get out there and talk and to share their experiences, that it gives you as a mom some sort of, you know, excitement about the future. So it, it does. And I want to say just really quickly, I wish you could see the smile that was across my face with some of his conversation when he was just talking about friends and girlfriends and things like that, because, you know, those are the kind of things that I can't control. I can control most of my kids' surroundings and what's going on in their lives and those kind of things. Um, but to hear him talk, you know, so openly about what a gentleman he was when he was dating and, you know, his hopes for the future, I think I was just grinning from ear to ear. Well, that, that was our connection today. And if that's the one thing that we get all can get out of it is is just have some love for the person in your life and the per people that you see and, and don't judge by the, what, what, what you think is, is what's going on in their lives. But thanks, you guys, so much. I really love you. And uh, it's been a great show. And we'll talk to you all soon. Folks, come back next week to Defining Moments. 
Thank you for listening to Defining Moments. Be sure to join Debbie Montgomery Johnson for another edition next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Women's Channel. Find your power this week.